0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: Six months ago, the Defense Information Systems Agency embarked on its second reorganization in about five years. Now, DISA, the organization in charge of much of the Defense Department's IT networks, says it's seeing results. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni, for more, spoke with DISA Deputy Director Christopher Barnhurst.
0: I think it's probably good for context to go back to the last time that DISA had... Uh, any type of major reorganization, and that was in the roughly the 2016 time frame. And at that point, the agency created effectively two major centers, one that was focused on um, development and business operations, and then the other that was focused on military operations, cyberspace operations. And the concept was the development center would develop and acquire capability programs, et cetera, and then throw those over the fence to be operated and sustained by the operation center. But As we started to look at the agency operating construct, particularly in light of uh, things like DevSecOps and agile development, right, where you're not going through the the more traditional development process uh, and then moving into sustainment, you're actually developing and releasing capability every two weeks, for example. Um, That paradigm didn't make a ton of sense. uh, It was very vertical, very hierarchical. And so what we wanted to do uh, and what we did do in October was Flatten the organization, we moved into a four center construct, increase the speed of information flow up and down the chain of command and across the agency, place a renewed emphasis on innovation and technology, so we created a chief technology officer, for example, and and really break down barriers um, by what we called unity of effort, right? by bringing programs that are similar together under a single portfolio so that we had unity of effort on things like enterprise services or collaboration capabilities um, or C2 systems, uh, so that we really got the the kind of full force that the agency has to offer behind those those key capabilities.
2: So you're about six months into this uh, reorganization now. What have you seen just from the way that you've been operating? We'll start with that. So I think it's been largely positive. The workforce, for one, has
0: embraced the change, right? And anytime you're talking about an organizational change that's this significant, um, that's always a thing, right? So we we did a lot of legwork up front from a personnel perspective to provide strategic context and to hear people's concerns and thoughts. And we actually took a lot of that and used it to reshape um, how we imagined the, the new organizational design. Um, from an operational or programmatic perspective, uh, I think we see a renewed emphasis on That innovation that I uh, alluded to previously, um, in that our CTO Steve Wallace um, is more heavily engaged in various development efforts and defining the to-be architecture state for the agency, and and I think we see we have seen some of that flattening of the organization that we were striving for, where we've got a new leadership leadership team in place, Um, they're working very well together, information is flowing, uh, I think in a in a way that's very positive for the agency. As we move forward so early returns I would say uh, has been positive um, you know even things like our strategic comms group we've pulled up to the agency level to give them a broader focus as opposed to being in one center um, within the agency and that's that's paid dividends so early returns are positive but that's something that General Skinner and I certainly check in on I'll say periodically to say do we need to make tweaks we view it very much as a continuous improvement type effort. So, um, you know, I still hold a lot of sessions with the workforce to try to understand what's working, what's not, what barriers can I help break down to push the agency forward.
2: And and how are you doing that exactly? You know, what are personnel seeing every day when it comes to that? Are they finding it easier to talk through stovepipes or, you know, through those barriers you're talking about? Sure. So so
0: I personally lead uh, what we call a set of emission analysis groups. Um, there's five different stakeholder groups that we've defined across the agency. Um, they may be our uh, culture and trust type organizations they may be our field commands um, our senior leadership team right so we, we define these different groups um, and i meet with them periodically uh, again to just have an open dialogue and it's really a, a give and take discussion about um, providing context from a leadership perspective and then listening and, and it's the listening that i think is easy to overlook sometimes but that really helps myself and general skinner guide the agency in a, in a way that's, um, I think, positive and meaningful. The other thing we've done is we've looked at our governance structure. Um, there's always this natural give and take of too much governance, too bureaucratic, right, too slow, uh, versus not enough where um, a little bit of the Wild West kind of scenario and, and the agency's not then communicating well enough. And so we've we've revamped all of that. We've tried to strike the right balance um, from a governance perspective to hopefully drive the right outcomes in a timely fashion to move the agency forward.
2: And how is that helping you get out things like DevSecOps when it's, you know, needs to come out every couple of weeks or to innovate quicker? How are you bringing ideas up from, from the bottom? How are you, you know, getting things out faster? Sure.
0: So from an idea perspective, we've, we've tried to set again, a culture of innovation. Um, you know, I've challenged all of our um, I'll say mid to uh, senior level managers, you know, below the executive level, to think about culture and communication within their teams and to foster an environment where change is accepted and expected. Um, And so the thought process we're trying to drive is if we're doing today what we did tomorrow, tomorrow, if we're doing today what we did yesterday, we're behind, right? We need to be constantly innovating and moving forward. Um, And that's been a central theme. And when, when it comes to new development efforts, one of the first questions that leadership's going to ask is, are we using agile development methodologies, and if not, there has to be a real real good reason why not for us to buy into that
2: when it comes to efficiency and budget, uh, you know was that something that you kept in mind in doing this, and have you seen any sort of savings or time savings We
0: didn't take the approach of like dollar savings trying to generate dollar savings from the restructuring um, but I will say what we've tried to do along with that restructuring is um, put in place the the governance and uh, I'll say the oversight from a leadership perspective to really make sure that everything we're doing is tied to a valid requirement within the department. Um, Those things can change over time, um, as can resourcing. And so that added emphasis um, has generated some areas where we've made tough, but I think um, proper decisions in terms of the strategic direction of the agency, what programs we maybe need to divest so that we have resources to reinvest in, in future technology or capability you know, for the warfighter.
2: Would you say at this point you're pretty settled into this new organization and now you're kind of doing the tweaks?
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. As a general matter, I think we, we've settled in nicely. We're kind of in that stage of getting some early returns, but you know, wanting to observe and see how the agency is functioning, like I said, in, in the spirit of kind of continuous improvement, what feedback does the workforce have where we might make some additional tweaks? But but right now I think we're in a pretty steady state. Are
2: you going as far as to take metrics or anything like that? So we've we've talked about
0: that. Um and and yes, we try to look at different metrics, whether they be numbers, you know, in terms of the, the quantitative ways of measuring things. Um or, or qualitative metrics. Um, some of it, because we're talking about an organizational design and culture, is uh, in my view at least more subjective. You know, it's, it's hard to just, um, and there's some risk, I think, in just trying to divine uh, objective measures and measure against those. You really got to get the pulse of kind of the people in the agency. Um, and, and some of it is based on just feedback and feel and what we're observing what external mission partners maybe observe as well um, to gauge how well things are working.
1: Christopher Barnhurst, Deputy Director of the Defense Information Systems Agency, speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Massioni. Check out Scott's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Melissa Bradley, the founder and managing partner At 1863 Ventures, an investment company focused on bridging entrepreneurship and racial equity and accelerating new majority entrepreneurs from high potential to high growth. Additionally, Melissa is co-founder of Venture backed Eureka, a community where small businesses gain unprecedented access to the expertise needed to grow their businesses and has more than 20 years of entrepreneurship, investment, and leadership experience. Melissa, welcome, and thank you for being here.
3: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: Who is the first person that you remember looking up to as a leader, and what was it about them that inspired you?
3: So there are actually two people. Um, The first person, personally, was my mom. Uh, She was a single parent, and what I realized is that she was the leader of our household, but she was also the leader of our community. Um, She was a staunch advocate for children's rights in public schools, making sure that we got a quality education. She was a staunch advocate around rights for renters. Um, We were not in a financial position that we actually ever owned a home, uh, but she made sure that people who lived in various types of housing black communities experience and to phrase it in a way not based on anger, but really using data. And so I would say I've consistently been a staunch advocate for black and brown communities, but as it evolved from being very reactive and saying, well, don't do this and don't do that, to saying, let me explain to you why I think it's important that we take this up and really letting the facts drive the discussion. Some of that probably comes from the fact that I've worked in two presidential administrations, and we all know that that just goes back and forth and often times based on rhetoric and not fact. And having six kids in a world of social media, I think there's something, the, the art of, of conversation based on facts and data has devolved to uh, opinions and pundits. And, and I think that's a challenge around leadership because your job is not, in my mind, to convince people, but to inform people and allow them to make decisions for themselves.
1: I, I saw you on a post uh, with a Washington Post um, uh, interview, and it it, you were amazing and it, it's interesting to listen to describe what you just said because I could see all of that reflected in how you responded there and um, make one other quick uh, comment about as a company grows, WEPA is growing as well and you are so spot on. We have, as, as leaders, we have to let go and trust those people that work for us and empower them to do their job and then let them roll and that's not always easy.